Hello, everybody. It's Steph. Uh, before we start the show today, I wanted to let you know that in extremely rare fashion, we had some unexpected technical difficulties whilst recording this episode, and uh, it's going to sound a little rough. I'm going to warn you in advance, but the show is so incredible, and the guest is one of the most amazing people I know, and I truly think that you're going to love it and that it's a story that is important and that needs to be told and needs to be heard. So when weighing out, do we can the episode because it sounds not how we expected it to sound or do we just keep going uh, obstacles until we went for option two? Because, I mean, isn't that like parenting, guys? Like, does anything ever go the way we want it to go? No, not in my house. So just think of this as yet another metaphor for our lives that we all lead, which is why we're in this together listening to this podcast. Um, Anyway, I know you're going to love this, so take a listen. I think your ear will adjust to the sound a few minutes in um, and give us your thoughts. Okay, I'm going to stop yammering. Here's the show. Hands off parenting. It's just hands off parenting. Put that down, don't touch that, stop it. Nice. Wow, really, uh, <laughs> I'm starting the party. Oh, oh, this is a party? <laughs> I'm getting the party going. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm Steph. And welcome to Hands Off Parents. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm About excited. your party. I'm partying. I'm excited to be back on the air. I know. We it's been too much time off. We are horrible strange. at everything we do. It's very unlike us. Yeah, we <laughs> dropped the ball. We dropped the ball, guys. It's never yeah. happened before, so I apologize. It and will... it's like it was Thanksgiving. I don't even want to talk about it. It was so I long know. ago. Years ago. We... Whatever. Everyone, look. This podcast is called How to Be a Shitty Person. Isn't that what it's called? That's the underlying theme. How to suck at everything you do, especially yeah. parenting. Yes, yes, yes. Just have oh, very low nice. expectations for us, and then we will never <laughs> disappoint you. I think most people do. I mean, we do. Us? The three people who listen. We certainly do. One being my husband. No expectations. Who I are the other love. two? Let us know um, who you are. My mother-in-law, who I think has actually kind of high expectations for me, unfortunately. Um, so we won't talk about her. And maybe hey, your Denise. Mom. Hey, girl. <laughs> maybe your mom. She gave up. She gave up. <laughs> she didn't even anymore. <laughs> you know what she said to me? You know what she said to me this week? So, okay, guys, I swear to God, I did not mean to come into this doing this plug. This is I'm it's going to be the douche oh, here. I know this is a plug for. So I'm going to be on a Seth Meyer show. Oh, really? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> You say this to me before. I'm going to be on Seth Myers no, on February 27th. No big deal. I told my mother this week. She's like, well, I'm going to be on a cruise that week. <laughs> I was like, oh. So they on cruises. You don't, what do you mean? She was like, I'll DVR it. I, I was like, okay, I am going to be on national television. You're the one person in the world. Who should be psyched. Who should be really excited. Yeah. Cancel your cruise. Well. She was like, it's all the bands from the 60s. <laughs> Like, this I'm is the cruise she's going on. I'm with her on this. <laughs> I was like, no, can't, well, you can't watch. I've never been on a cruise, so I'm speaking out of turn. Can you not watch TV on a cruise? Can I don't know. TV? I don't know. I don't care. Our relationship is over. She's dead to me. I'm not sure. Luckily, she did not listen to this podcast. <laughs> Crying. Anyway. My mother-in-law, however, will DVR it. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate your support. My husband will not. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, um, we have a we have an awesome guest, great guest today. Yeah, 
Um, very, we've been trying to get this guest on for a while. So yeah. I feel like. She's really busy. She travels all the time. She's like a jet setter. She's constantly jet setting. She's always on the Seth Meyers show. So too. like, I know. <laughs> Getting your whole thing. I know. <laughs> I know. She's like, I've been there like five times. Catch up. Getting her in the studio has been really hard. <laughs> studio in air quotes. Studio being my really makeshift office with a plastic folding table. Yes. Anyway, whatever, guys. It's very fancy here. Um, we have Lisa Stanton on the pod today. Welcome. Um, Hi, guys. Lisa is a mother of two children. Um, she's also very active in the Jewish community here and um, is a Jewish mo- mother extraordinaire. Is that how I said I was going to introduce you? Yeah. Like a mo- You're like, it was better working mom, taking the world by storm, yeah. social activist. Yeah. I'm going to tag that that's on. so nice. Um, and that's kind of why we invited her here today um, because she is a parent, but she also has taken up a cause that is very specific to her family, and we wanted to invite her on to talk about that. So welcome, Lisa. Thanks, guys, and thanks for having me on the show. And I also want to comment that I think my in-laws are on the cruise with your with, on the 60s cruise? They are going on the 60s Get out of here. So they're not watching you either. No, nope, sorry. Who is going to watch this show? Nobody, apparently. Jeff and I will, will be your biggest cheerleaders. And none of the 70-year-old Jews in Houston, that's for sure. Apparently, no. they're all on that cruise. Apparently, <laughs> they love is way more important. Apparently so. And my mother, when she was telling me about it, she was like, telling me, like, I was like, I'm going to be on Seth Meyers. She's like, you don't understand the bands on this cruise. I'm going to guess, like... I, I can't even but, tell you. But how many of them are, like, still the original people? It's going to be, like, earth, wind, and fire, yes. but it's, like, wind only. Right, right. <laughs> like, the other guys are just <laughs> getting, like, blown over at some point. Oh, oh man. It's going to be good. Um, well, that's great. I'm glad they're all going to go enjoy their lives. Yeah. Good for them. Um, yeah, so Lisa's in-laws and my parents are in a very tight social circle. Yes. They're, they like, very super close. They hang out constantly. And I was just telling Lisa that when we were kids, I was on a cruise with her husband, and I walked into my um, state room or boardroom or whatever you call it, Lido deck, and her husband was hugging a bottle of some dark alcohol and had vomited and was laying in it. So, <laughs> but he's younger than you, so he was... No, he's my age. Oh, he's your age. Okay. Maybe... Is he? How old 38. is he? 38. Okay, so he's, he's a year older than me, I guess. Okay. But he was... I think we're the same year as you in school, though. He was held back. He graduated in 99. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, what's up, Jeff? Proud of you. Hope you're still <laughs> carrying that torch. <laughs> um, okay. So tell us, you've got you've got twins, like Abby. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were a twin wife. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So tell us about your children. Yeah. So I um, have two beautiful, almost seven-year-olds. They'll be seven, January 26th. Oh. And um, um, Iris' birthday is the 21st. Yeah, Aquarians. What's up, well. Aquarians? Yeah. I had no idea. And um, it's actually my mother-in-law's birthday, too. So that was, like, her birthday present wow. that year. And then I don't think I've bought her one since. <laughs> so <laughs> happy birthday forever. I gave you grandchildren. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of have a unique situation because I brought home twin boys from the hospital, or so I thought. Fraternal or identical? Fraternal. Okay. And um, I had one named Joshua, who was six and a half pounds, and one who came out really tiny, named Max, 
who was only three pounds. And um, uh, they were both in the NICU um, for a few weeks and came home and we thought everything was okay. And then um, maybe around um, three months, I noticed one of my twins was doing some weird things. Um, like in the little swing, sleeping with their hands, like directly out in front of them, like Frankenstein, fire bad, you know, that whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, just doing some weird, like toes pointing down all the time, just Uh weird things like that and not lifting his head. Um, And so uh, we started being concerned, but it was almost like that thing where you're afraid to say something because you don't want it to be true. Yeah. So we moved to Houston when they were three months old and around six months old, none of those milestones were happening. So for, for one of the, for twins, one of the twins and which uh, makes it interesting that you had the two so you could compare, right? which I right. know that I do all the time right. and, and you can't help it. Right. So, um, long story short, we ended up taking, um, Max to the hospital because, um, we thought he was having a seizure. He was like rigid all over. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, have you, um, been to a neurologist have, has he been tested for cerebral palsy and I was like what um I had no clue so anyhow long story short we saw a um neurologist ended up getting a diagnosis and I thought that was going to be my biggest parenting challenge you're, cr- was, you're crossed a bear yeah. you're like check it off <laughs> and I and I panicked I was like oh like I'm gonna have like a special needs child that's gonna live with me and I'm gonna have to take care of him forever and it He's not going to walk and all the scary things that they think. I think doctors tell you the worst case oh, scenario oh, because girl. they're kind of like, we yeah. could, we could compare notes. Yes. Heard that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, so we just focused on every type of therapy, everything we could do to help Max and, and get him where he needed to be. And now he's a, uh, almost seven year old little maniac, um, running around wow. doing everything that they said he wouldn't. So wow. when I finally wow. was like taking a, a sigh of relief and like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Then the other child started, uh, there were things going on for a while, but I was so focused on Max. I just kind of let them slide. And truthfully, I I just thought, and I'll put it out there. My kid's gay. (laughs) Right. And, and even my in-laws, everybody, we all joked about it. We were like, Oh, he's gay. (laughs) Josh is going to be a fashion designer or a decorator. My mother-in-law was like, Oh, He'll decorate my apartment. Like, of course she did. Right. Yeah. She was very focused on what services he could provide for her <laughs> as, like, as an adult. <laughs> so how old was he, like, when you started making you know, those kind of jokes? I mean, that, that probably song. even two years old. Um, you know, really from the minute, 18 months, older toddler. Okay. We were at um, at Becker Elementary, or Becker preschool program at Congregation Emmanuel, and every single day he would go into the classroom and put on um, the princess dresses and just didn't want to change out of them. Mm -hmm. And And this was at two. At two, at 18 months, 15 months, saying, and and constantly saying, I'm a girl. And we were like, oh, okay. And he was very effeminate and very into girly things and loved to just my in-laws have tons of Mardi Gras beads and he would go over their house and just layer on like hundreds of Mardi Gras beads and wrap them up his arms like bracelets and walk around. And we really didn't know any better. So of course what we bought or what we were given were the typical boy toys. Yeah. Trucks, dinosaurs, um, cars, 
um, and he took no interest in any of those things and instead wanted to play in my makeup, in my clothes. <laughs> and so wow. it just became like a joke in our family. Yeah. And um, honestly, I was, I was totally fine with that. I think as a parent, you all, you imagine different scenarios that can happen. Mm-hmm. And you imagine, I might have a gay kid. That could happen. I mean, I hope my next kid is gay. I'm going <laughs> to put that out there. Yeah. One of my girlfriends, like when I, like we were at a play date or something and the, the joke came up and she's like, oh, you're so lucky. He'll never leave you. Like every Jewish mother's dream. Like he'll never leave you. He'll take care of you. And, it is, and I and I was like, as long as he marries like a Jewish doctor, I don't care. <laughs> that's like that's like the Jew go to. Yeah, uh-huh. like marry a doctor, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, we were we were totally comfortable with that, and and that was just kind of where we left things. And we were so focused on Max at the time, we just didn't put too much more thought into it and just let it be. And we would. You know, of course, allow the dress up clothes. And at my in laws' house, we have lots of different types of toys because they have not just our twins, but my brother in law has twin girls um, who are six months older. Oh, wow, twins run. Mm-hmm. So um, he'd get his fix over there dressing up in girls' clothes. And eventually he became more persistent about asking for girls' clothing at home and wanting all things girls toys, dolls. American girl. And how old was he at this point? Oh, I mean, from two years old, you know. When he could speak. Onward. The minute he could talk and express himself. Yeah. Um, And then the demands just became stronger and stronger. So it wasn't just about having the Elsa dress from Frozen or um, the nightgown to sleep in instead of, you know, boys' pajamas. It was, I want to wear this every day. I want to wear long hair. Mm. Um, Every day when we'd get out of the bath, he would take a towel and wrap it around his head and pretend it was long hair. Right. Wow. Um, and I'd say, when am I going to get my long hair like Rapunzel? Oh I remember I that year he was Rapunzel for Halloween, which we indulged. Yeah. We were like, yeah. fine, on Halloween you can dress up as whatever you want. I remember being nervous the first year we went out with other people on Halloween. Um, I had like, at that point I really knew my child. There was, there was something more going on. I think I may have even brought him to a therapist and gotten a diagnosis by then of gender non-conforming. Is it three? At three. three. Wow. And, um, and was that, so was it, obviously it was very difficult for you guys, but that aside, was it difficult for them to put that label on him at that age? No, I think that that label basically extends to any child that doesn't um, adhere to societal constraints. Okay. So it's really just like an umbrella label for any child who's creative in their gender expression. Okay. So if you have a child, um, and there are tons of of boys who just like to wear girly things and paint their nails, and um, they grow up to be heteronormative heteronormative, men. uh, Men. You know, there's, it, there, I remember meeting with a doctor at the time and asking, well, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And there were different statistics she presented us with. Like, this is, you know, X percentage and, you know, end up growing out of this and, you know, ex- have expression of heteronormative men. X percentage might cross-dress when they're older, but still present um, within societal constraints. 
um, X percent end up being gay Mm -hmm. and X percent, um, are trans. And that was the first time I like really thought about that. Yeah. And that word trans scared the shit out of me. Was that, I mean, do you feel like that was scarier than the cerebral palsy? Yeah. Really? Really? In some ways, I think that, um, the cerebral palsy, you, you, your, your fear is that your child will not be able to fulfill their potential Mm -hmm. and that they won't be able to have access to things or do things the way other people will. But you know that society provides for the most part accommodations. And I also am a firm believer in early intervention. And I knew that if I preach, girl, preach, could get my child in every type of therapy available, Um, that, that he would adapt. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my worst fear is that he would end up not walking independently. And even that I was like, okay, he'll be all right. And I I remember being really scared about the CP and actually one of our best friends, who's the children's godfather who introduced Jeff and I, I had gone to Israel with him in high school and, um, Jeff was roommates with him in college and, um, when I was really sad about the whole CP thing, he called me up and he goes, I don't know if you know this, but I have CP. What? And I was like, what do you mean you have CP? And he's like, you know how I kind of like have a funny walk? And I was like, yeah, we always like make fun of you. We call you Gimby. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, well, I have CP. I wore leg braces. I did all these things. I just didn't talk about it with you guys. And he is one of the smartest, funniest, most capable, wonderful people I know. Mm-hmm. And when he told me that, I was like, my kid's going to be fine. Wow. So that was like really the weight off of my shoulders. Like if he can be, if Max can be half the guy Matt Price is, we're good. good. Yeah. And it's like known territory in a way. Yeah. Like there's so much studies and, and like you said, interventions and. There's stuff you can yeah. do. Yeah. And, and the reality is it's, it's accepted. It's not something that you chose. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to think it's a choice that someone's making. And, and look, I think that disability, certainly there are challenges with it, and there are lots of strides being made, and there are difficulties within society for people with disability. But I think for the most part, we recognize now um, that people with disability um, are just differently abled. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I think the trans thing was just a whole nother thing I never imagined, you know, when I said you imagine your child could be gay mm-hmm. or you imagine your child might have hearing loss or you imagine your child might have to be in a wheelchair. Disability. Right. You, it never crossed my mind the idea of a child being transgender. Right. And you were never like, my son will be a daughter. No, no, <laughs> no. And, um, it's just know, not in your, like, it's I, not in your wheel house yeah. in your like um frame of reference yeah it just never like even occurred to me I mean it, and truthfully I think I've met and I know lots of and I have gay family members but I'm sure I have met a trans person prior to to knowing my child but I never knew that I knew a trans person right. and um so this was something really scary to me and so I just prayed, oh, please just let him be gay. Please just let him be gay. When when this doctor kind of broke down the different percentages, I literally prayed, let him just be gay. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like you never thought, like, that's the sentence you're praying for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's accepted, right? It's, right? We know. We know it. We yeah. know. 
And what is that word like the the thing you know? The evil you know. The evil you know versus the the devil you know. Devil you know. No, that's not the best analogy. We are good at quoting things. I don't know if you know that, Lisa, but that's part of what we really excel at. It's quoting things. <laughs> Carry on. That's a skill <laughs> that we don't have. So, anyhow, I uh, I think I was just like in in real um, shock that this could be a possibility, and um, everyone in my life was telling me, "Oh, it's just a phase. Every boy does this. It's just a phase." Yeah. And I was like, "I hope you're right. I hope that's all it is, or I hope he's just gay." But did One you, of the two. did you know deep down? Deep down, I think I always knew. Yeah. Um, from the time, you know, I remember the first time he had access to a doll, the, the way his face lit up was like every other toy he had ever played with in his life, he had no interest in it. Mm-hmm. It was like my other son would sit there for hours and play with something. Josh just wasn't interested in any of that. And it was like all of a sudden he had something that brought him joy. Mm. And seeing his face, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember being so happy to see my child so happy but so scared. Mm-hmm. And, um, look, I think every parent just wants their child to face less adversity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to, to want to create a, a path for them to success and happiness and remove as many obstacles as possible. And I think that's every parent's instinct. What I've learned is it's not the way the world works and actually allowing child's children to face adversity and be in the real world um, and learn to advocate for themselves makes them stronger. Yeah. So um, fast forward to maybe two years later, um, the phase has not gone away. So he's five. Around five, and uh, we we had held them back together because Max um, cognitively was a little bit behind uh, because of the cerebral palsy, and I felt like, how can I hold one twin back and not the other? And actually, at the time, the preschool um, director and and all our teachers were telling us that Josh was very socially immature. Mm -hmm. So even though academically he was ready to go to the next uh, grade, this would benefit him too to, Mm -hmm. to be held back. So we held them back. They were in pre-K, and um, we saw that the pattern had continued with wanting girls' things, and it was just escalating, if anything, just constantly asking for all of these things. And we also saw the anxiety ramping up. Um, Josh cried all the time, bit his fingernails down to the quick, licked his lips so that they were constantly red and raw, and was just altogether a very anxious, clingy, weepy child Mm -hmm. and um I had him in therapy um and you know he started saying things that I just was not equipped to answer you know when when is my penis gonna fall off and and you know the children have this kind of magical thinking and they don't really understand how things work so Mm -hmm. one day we were giving the children a bath with a another friend uh who's actually Josh's or my child is now Maya her still best friend, uh, Lindsay. And when we got out of the bath or maybe it was even the next day, she said to me, mommy, um, when is, when is my penis going to fall off? When am I going to get what what Lindsay has? And I said, honey, that's not the way it works. And he said, yeah, all kids have penises. And, and then when they get older, they fall off and some kids become ladies. Oh my God. 
And I said, no, it's not the way it works. And I actually ordered a book right then and there on Amazon Prime um, called Amazing You and read the book to them like two days later when it came in the mail. And um, Max was just like, whatever. Right. <laughs> not, could care less. And Josh was fixated and just kept asking over and over again, well, am I going to get boobies? Am I going to get this? When, why am I going to have to have this? And when I said, you're, no, you're going to have a penis and you won't get breasts. I mean, you've never seen someone so distraught. Mm. Um, and that's really when I was like, this is real. This is real. Yeah. This isn't going to change. This, this is a phase. Right. phase. And this is probably trans out of all those equations under the umbrella of gender nonconforming. This is, this is probably trans. Yeah. And, um, it was a pit in my stomach. And um, so, you know, things continued to escalate. We had questions at home about cutting the penis off and all sorts of dysphoria over the genitals. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, uh, when all of these things were confirmed in therapy, our therapist said, look, the anxiety is only increasing. My recommendation is to, to allow your child to transition socially um, and to express themselves um, with, you know, feminine, um, pronouns and, um, you know, physical presentation. Right. And that's a big misnomer I want to clear up that, you know, when, when you say a child transitions, um, at this age, it does not mean that there is any medical intervention. Right. Right. It just means you're changing their name, possibly be who, yeah, just express who they feel they are. Yeah. Um, so it's really about appearance. Um, and how you're recognizing them with pronouns, um, how you're presenting. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we made the decision to do it. And over winter break that year, um, we began the transition. We had stopped cutting, um, Josh's hair in, I think the last haircut was the first haircut before school that year, maybe in September or August. And we started letting the hair grow out and over winter break, we picked a new name and she came back to school, um, in the spring as Maya. So this has been about a year mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can you, I read, I'm, we're going to post this article that, that you wrote in the Jewish hair voice. You didn't write the article. I um, worked with Michael. You worked with Michael on it. It was one of the most beautiful articles I've ever read anywhere. Oh, he did a wonderful job. He did I, an incredible job. I mean, I'm talking like it was one of the best articles I've read. Like, in any publication ever in the whole in my whole life, I remember I I read it while I was actually in the booth recording anime that day, and it was like I had to sort of like stop reading every now and then to record a line. But I was getting so annoyed that I that I couldn't just finish the article. I was crying in the booth while I was reading it. Aww. It is so beautiful, and and I told Abby today, anybody that reads this article is going to understand why you made the choices that you made. It's very clear. But there is a story in that article about his first day back Yeah, yes. that I would love for you to share. Yeah. So, um, you know, that um, it's actually before the transition, before the name transition, um, around October of that year, we had um, allowed Josh at the time to start wearing um, feminine clothing to school. Mm-hmm. And it had been a big issue for year, the year prior, you know, consistently asking to wear not, you know, mommy, I don't want just, you know, an Elsa dress. I want 
girl clothes. I want to go to Target and buy clothes for girls that girls wear every day. And my answer had always been, no, you can play with dress-up clothes, but we're not going to spend money on clothing. And, and truthfully, we got hand-me-downs from our cousins, so we weren't interested in uh, spending money on, on clothing, period. Um, and, uh, you know, but Josh would always pick out the pink polo shirt or whatever feminine colors um, that my cousins passed down to us were his favorite to wear. Um, but just consistently and constantly asking for that and begging for that. And so the therapist, before she recommended, you know, the full transition said, all right, go home today from the therapy session and go to Target and buy a few outfits. So, of course, Josh gravitated towards the most hyper-feminine things you could even imagine. Right. Was not interested in, like, the leggings and normal top that most kids <laughs> wear to preschool. Wanted the party dress. So I indulged him and bought the party dress, and um, he said, the next day I want to wear it. And I was not prepared for this. And, mm -hmm. and I sent an email to the teachers, but I knew that they wouldn't get it in time, and it was a Friday. And we walked in to school, and, and Josh was in this pink dress with a, a, a or excuse me, a blue dress with pink rhinestones and a pink headband um, with a teal fluff that matched the dress on the headbands with his short hair. And um, we got out of the parking lot and or out of the car in the parking lot. And I pulled Max out first, and I went around to grab Josh out of the other side. And immediately my heart was pounding mm -hmm. and I had this feeling like, Oh my God, everyone's going to be looking at us. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed by having that feeling. I was so mad at myself for being embarrassed about it. Um, but literally my cheeks must've been bright red and it's a physical reaction that I, I wouldn't have anticipated having. I was angry with myself for having, but I couldn't stop myself mm -hmm. from feeling that way. Yeah. yeah. It's literally like your body is going into a fight or flight yeah. response. Yeah. It's the same thing I used to teach my kids when I taught acting. When they go on stage, you know, like that moment before when you know everyone's eyes are going to be on you. You have these physical things that happen because your body is releasing this chemical that's telling yeah. you, you are in danger and you need to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, my heart was beating right out of my chest and I'm like, I can only imagine what my child must be feeling. Get it together. Like... Right. This isn't happening to you. This is happening to them. But like, so up until this point, though, had you spoken with your preschool and oh they, yeah, they, they were knew about the diagnosis and they had seen for they years. Were not like oh, this no. is shocking. No, I would have never thought that. I'll tell you, even at school, Josh would draw pictures from the time that kids start to draw. He would draw a picture of himself as a female, which was another strong clue. Yeah. So his his perception of himself um, was feminine, mm -hmm. was not male. So um, that was not something that came as a surprise to them. And every day they had seen him go straight into the dress-up box and refuse to take off the princess outfit. I mean, it would be time for recess, and, and they'd be saying, we don't wear dress-up clothes outside in the playground. And Josh would be so devastated to have to switch out of those clothing. And... Um, so this was not a surprise to them. And we had talked about the diagnosis and what it might mean. And they worked with us and they were very supportive and great. Um, but anyhow, I sent the email. I knew they wouldn't get it in time, but uh, I'm pulling Josh out of the car. My heart is racing and we start walking up to the um, entrance and it was Shabbat. And so um, there's always the child that's the Shabbat, Ima or Abba, the, the, leader of Shabbat that the parents traditionally come to school that day. 
So the little girl who happened to be Shabbat Ima that day was walking in with her dad. And she pointed at Josh and laughed and said, look, Daddy, Josh is dressed like a girl. And innocence, not being, just commenting and being surprised. And Josh literally climbed underneath my shirt and hid there and froze and wouldn't move. And so Max is pulling my arm. Mommy, mommy, I want to go to class. And Josh is, like, underneath my clothing, refusing to move. Um, And I had brought a change of clothes because I knew that this might happen, and I wanted to make sure he had the option to go in whatever he felt comfortable in. So I said, do you want to go to the bathroom and change clothes? No. Well, then let's go inside. No. Just frozen Uh, panic, sheer panic. Um, So we end up... Uh, another parent came along and I said, could you take Max to class for me? And they saw, you know, Josh with a little skirt coming out from underneath the back of my shirt. And um, I scooped him up and we went into the um, office at the school and asked to speak with the counselor. And one of the teachers from his class came and he spent almost like 30, 40 minutes um, with a therapist, the school therapist before um, we could convince him to go into class. At the time, they were all doing Shabbat in the library. And um, uh, I think it had gotten around that Josh was in girl clothing, and many kids were commenting on it at the time. Um, and it's interesting at that age to see children's reactions. And they know it's not normal yeah, um, or typical. It's not what they're used to. So they comment on, on it, and they giggle, and they say, how silly. Um but maybe to them, it's no different than Halloween. It's a costume. They're not really understanding that mm-hmm. why this is happening. And um, we stayed in the counselor's office, and we, we kept asking Josh, do you want to switch into boys' clothes? You can just you can switch into your other clothes. You don't have to wear this. Wear whatever makes you happy. No, I want to wear this. Well, you have to go into class then. No, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And we said, um, Josh, you can change into to the boys' clothing, but not going to school is not an option. So you have a choice. You can either wear what you picked out today, or you can wear this other clothing, but you are going to class today. Mm-hmm. And the therapist just kind of talked to him. What is your biggest fear? What are you afraid of? I'm afraid they're going to laugh at me. I'm afraid they're going to be mean to me. Well, what could you say? How, how are you going to respond? Um, and when we kept asking, do you want to switch clothes? I remember he said, no, it's not fair. This clothes makes me happy. This is who I am. And it's not fair. And he mentioned another girl in his class that Elizabeth gets to wear soccer clothes and nobody says anything to her. But if I wear girls clothes, people will say something to me. And I said, well, that's just the way the world is. And you can choose this or you can choose to wear the other, but you have to go to school. And, um, finally he, you know, through discussions, he said, you know, well, if they're mean to me, I can say, stop. That hurts my feelings. You're being mean to me. This is what I like to wear. It makes me happy. And we just kind of talked through, well, what happens if they do this? And we said, this will probably happen. They probably will be mean to you. And he still chose to wear the clothing. So we walked into the library, and they were just finishing Kabbalah Shabbat and beginning story time. 
and he walked in and the whole grade just reacted and just burst into laughter. Josh is very dressed, you know, pointing, giggling. Oh, oh. I can imagine having to <laughs> and, go through that from your perspective. Yeah. Josh was, um, just went pale and, and you could see the tears welling up in his eyes and he went straight to his teacher's lap on the ground and, and kind of sat in her lap and turned his whole face inward to her chest and had his hands up by his eyes. And um, my other son, who was in a different class, stood up and said, shh, do not be mean to my brother. And basically reprimanded <laughs> all the other children. <laughs> I can sit through this. I'm literally, you're you're killing us here. And then he went over, this is the part that really got me. He went over to Josh on his teacher's lap and he pulled his hands away from his eyes and he started kissing them. And it was literally like the worst parenting moment of my life (laughs) and the best because I saw the adversity and the hate and the intolerance that my child was going to have to face for the rest of his life. But I also saw that he had a loving sibling who would always be there for him. And I think that's every parent's dream. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Very upset. Going to have to take an emotion break here. Jesus. (laughs) So that's the first day of, of, uh, presenting in a feminine presentation, but we hadn't yet changed the name or fully made the decision. And it's actually part of the beginning of the transition process is that they explore what that feels like and that uncomfortable feeling of, of being shamed or being made fun of. Mm-hmm. And if they say, this is who I am and I cannot live the other way. And I don't care that I'll be made fun of. I don't care about what people are going to say because this is who I am and I can't stop being who I am, mm-hmm. then they, you know, they're really trans because they, they cannot, would, they they're going to deal with that adversity. They're going to deal with that adversity and that pain because the pain of trying to be something else is worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my understanding is that when it did come time for you to try to get Maya's name changed, <laughs> Max again stood up. Yes. Right. Yes. In the judge's office. Yes. We went through quite a lot to get the name changed. And, um, I think it's, I just want to make a few important comments in terms of advocacy and, and what, um, the community, you know, LGBTQ and particularly the trans community has to deal with, um, with respect to the laws in this state. Um, you know, it's more, um, it is easier to get a gun than it is to change your child's name in this state. Yes. It is easier to adopt a pet than to change your child's name in this state. And um, it's probably easier to adopt a child. Yeah. Um, and it is crazy to me that politicians can legislate um, and make choices about where my child can use the restroom, about what name my child goes by. I'm their parent, and I think I know best. Yeah. Um, and that should be my decision if I want to change my child's name for whatever reason. Well, and you guys are, I mean, this is all happening in such a charged political climate here because this was happening right right when the bathroom bill was going on. So it's also like, you know, I mean, what a crazy 
like confluence of, of events. Yeah. And it was, it was a really interesting initiation of sorts to the community because we realized what, um, you know, you almost see the worst of what you're going to go up against during this time, because literally every, as we're ramping up towards the transition, the hero act was happening too. So all we are seeing on TV is these commercials about, you know, presenting trans people as if they're predators evil. Um, and yeah. evil and, and just all the, the really disgusting, um, uninformed, uninformed, um, vitriol that people spew at, at the trans community. And you're seeing what your biggest fear is happen. Um, what people are, you know, going to think or say, or how they're going to treat your child and it's everywhere. Um, so you really face that adversity head on. And, and so for us, it was really an interesting, um, you know, initiation to the community to be going straight into having to do this type of advocacy work and um, do what we can to speak up because I really feel if we're not going to change hearts and minds, we we can't expect other people to do it for us. And it's, I mean, just what we were saying, it's, I'd rather accept, I not I'd rather, but I can accept those things that I, I know when you're sick and I know when you have, you know, hearing loss, I get that, but I don't get this because it's not part yeah. of my lived experience. So it must be bad. And I'm going to. Yeah. And it's like, it's like it. these people think like, <laughs> like you just woke up one day and your kid was like, I want to be a girl today. And you're like, all right, sounds good. Like you went yeah. through years of therapy. You went through yeah. years of intervention. It's like the last thing you probably wanted as a parent. Sure. And on top of it, I mean, like, I was extremely depressed about the whole thing. Ironically, my husband seemed to be fine with it. Oh, God. I mean, we had a different scenario, but, like, with Iris's challenges, Mike was, like, from day one. Like, Oh, it'll be fine. Day one in the hospital. We get the hearing thing done. Day one, she's, like, failing. They come back every single day to do it. By the third day, she fails again. I'm weeping. He's like, isn't there, like, a cochlear implant? It's fine. Like, yeah. That was his response. Yeah. yeah. Never shed a tear. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, that was kind of Jeff. I mean, he was like, how do you deal with things I love way? my child. I just want my child to be happy, and we'll get through this. Like, it's so fine. interesting. And literally, I'm crying every that, single right? day. Yeah. Totally. I'm thinking, like, I can't sleep at night. I would, I would have nightmares about who's going to marry her, what's going to happen, you know, the murder rates are astounding for trans females. And I literally have like reoccurring nightmares yeah. about something happening to her. And, um, my husband's like, la Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. what it is. I think either women or maybe Jewish women in particular, we're very neurotic. We spin yeah. out. Worst case, worst case. We think worst case. We overanalyze everything. We're thinking 10 steps down the yeah. road. I'm worried about yeah. who she's going to marry. Yeah. And he's just like getting to but tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. So biological. I, I need to protect. <laughs> I need to protect. And this is, and I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Not that fathers don't need to protect too, but it's, it's just not, a, it's not as emotionally tied. I yeah. I think. And I think there is a like thinking five steps ahead. Yeah. Whereas like the load. Yeah, the load. It's yeah. the mental load. Yeah. Like a normal mom has a mental load. Yeah. So it makes sense that you would like deal with the situation in that way. And I think men are just able to kind of put things in a box yeah. and just focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. We, we just it's all up in there for us. And um but yeah, I mean he was my rock, thank God. I, I love that man. He's my hero, but 
I was a hot mess. I had to go on anti antidepressants. Yes. I was weeping every day at work and I couldn't understand why I was so upset by it. And why was I okay with my child being gay, but so devastated by this? Yeah. And it wasn't until I started meeting with other parents in the trans community that I realized this was grief. Yes. And this wasn't, um, this wasn't me being intolerant or unaccepting of my child or the trans community. This was, I was losing my other child. And really, it's like a break in time for me. There was Josh, and now there's Maya. And they are two different children. Mm. And they really are. And even my husband does see it this way. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my parents, they all comment that they are completely two different children. You know, Maya is thriving. She's independent. She's happy. She's outspoken. She's bossy and sassy and funny and theatrical. And Josh was clingy, insecure, weepy, very cuddly, anxious, anxious, um, introspective, um, and closed off, really pulling away from everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and wasn't interested in making friends, wasn't interested, you know, and the transition year was really hard because he was trying to navigate making friends. Right. Um, once he stepped into this new persona and he came on almost too strong because before then he was like not interested in being social because he wasn't his authentic self. Um, but now he's, he's, uh, she's doing amazing and she is so happy and I know we did the right thing, but, uh, and then, so, so how, okay. So we start, we got off on the tangent about advocacy oh, and then, yes. but I wanted to know about, the process of oh, changing sure. her yeah. name. Cause yeah. I know that was a huge hurdle for you guys. Yeah. So I started looking into it and, um, there's really not a lot of information, especially with, um, as it relates to children and how to get the name change. Um, and in Texas to get the birth certificate changed, um, you have to, um, as the law states, um, to get the gender marker name change, you have to have, um, completed transition. And so for children, yeah, what does that mean? For children, it's harder because um, in the past, what they wanted is documentation, obviously, that you've had medical medical intervention. So, um, and it used to be, from my understanding, even five years ago, that it was required that they have not just medical intervention, but the the for for trans women to have had the, the full sexual reassignment surgery or gender confirmation surgery. Um. And that has, has changed. There are other ways because we now know actually only 10% of the trans community um, have such dysphoria that they choose to go through with the modification of the um, genitals. Mm-hmm. Um, less, uh, less of the community choose to do that. It's more, more of them feel comfortable in their skin once they're able to express their feminine right. um, identity. That's yeah, it's only about 10%. Um, and it's, it's higher in trans women than it is in trans men because there's really not a successful mm-hmm. reassignment surgery for bottom surgery. Right. Um, and I actually was just at a support group last week and I heard one of the parents explaining that they read somewhere that, um, the dysphoria for trans people really, um, is worse for things that stick out. So for trans 
women having a penis and and testicles that kind of flop around or stick out. It's really uncomfortable for them. And for trans men, having breasts where it should be flat causes a lot of dysphoria. Mm -hmm. So the top surgery rate is very high, Mm -hmm. I believe, in in trans men. Um, But uh, seems like an easier easier process. Yeah. Um, But anyhow, uh, yeah, so we started investigating the process and I called all sorts of law firms and we were working, our, our children luckily were born in the state of Maryland. And so we initially started the process there and I thought, oh, well, I don't have to deal with Texas laws. I'm going to just have to change everything in Maryland. And when I called, they said, no, you have to have an order from Texas, from the state you reside in before we can open up the file of her birth certificate to make any amendments. Once the file is open, it's pretty standard. We can, you can just fill out a form, you fill out documentation. And in fact, for trans children, you just have to have a letter saying you've completed everything possible, medically appropriate for their age to transition. Like from a therapist? From a therapist or a pediatrician. Right. Mm -hmm. Not like you have to put them through some sort of. Right. So the therapist or the pediatrician will write it just saying she's socially transitioned and this is what's appropriate at this age and. I support the name change, and then they, you fill out a form, and they do it. Simple as can be. Oh, uh, the Northeast. Yeah. Texas, not so much. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. I mean, really, we're so reasonable in yeah. so many ways, so I'm <laughs> really surprised to hear that. I mean, I've had great luck in the Texas legislature, let me tell you. They're a real great group of people. It's ludicrous. And the way that they oh do God. things, and every two sure. years, the entire process in Texas is like, I don't even know. It makes sense. Oh, makes sense. so bananas. So, um, so we finally were able to find one lawyer who had worked with children, with trans children, um, and doing name changes. And she herself is actually a judge, um, and a trans judge in, in Harris County. Um, and she informed us that no one in Harris County will do the name change. All of the judges are... Even in Harris County, which is... Which is so liberal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but apparently the, the election rate for judges is much more um, towards the Republican end. And people don't want to get primaried out. So if it gets out that they're, even if they are progressive or more a moderate judge, if the word gets out that they're doing these name changes for trans youth, um, they're afraid that it'll become a primary issue and they'll get primaried out and not be in their seat the next round. So um, they refuse to do it. So we actually met with this lawyer, and she informed us that we would have to sign a non-disclosure about where we went, but we would have to travel outside of Harris County to another part of Texas. To Austin? I'm not allowed to say where we are. Okay. Wow. I'm going to make, I'm going to hedge my bets. <laughs> I would um, say, like, I would guess, like, Waco. Yeah, she's yeah, sure. a real liberal sure. in Waco. Um, David Koresh lived there. <laughs> we traveled um, out of town and uh, got a hotel room. Woke up the next morning, went went to court. We had had tons of documentation. We had letters from all of Maya's doctors, endocrinologists, the whole shebang. And um, we meet in the cafeteria of this courthouse, and we were with a group of about seven other trans people, the majority of which I would say were teens, mm-hmm. so ranging in age from 19 to 15. The youngest was 15. And then there was an older woman who was actually a Vietnam veteran, um, who was randomly with this group of younger people and, um, they were all going for their name changes and all using our lawyer. 
And so actually there were identical twin girls in our group who were both trans girls and 16 years old. And, and they live here in Harris County. And one of them I actually need to reach out to has offered to babysit to, for Maya. Um, but That's they, nice. they yeah. both transitioned, um, and interestingly enough, I learned from them that the rate of, uh, in identical twins of one being trans, if the other one is, it's like 80%. That I would guess. I mean, yeah. So wow. it's much higher. So yeah. where the, the, for identical twins, for identical yeah. twins. So as opposed to the normal population, um, and, and fraternal twins, it's the same as in the normal population. Okay. And so I think that speaks to something that's either happening genetically or that's happening in utero, that they're in the same sack and they're getting exposed to the same level of hormones. I'm sure one day we'll figure it out. Yeah, that is fascinating. um, So anyhow, uh, we go into court and and are waiting outside the courtroom and it's taking a really long time and I see our lawyer pacing and we're supposed to have already from what we understood been taken into the courtroom and then I see her you know kind of turn down the hallway and get on the phone and she's making calls and I'm like this is not good you know and my understanding we've come all this way to see a specific judge that she has a relationship Mm -hmm. with and she says um I'm sorry we um have a little bit of a hiccup the judge who we came to see has a family emergency and is not going to be hearing any cases today. So they bumped us to the next docket in the same courtroom. And um, we have to wait another hour before we'll be seen. And the good news is the judge is a female. The bad news is I don't know her. I've never worked with her and I don't know what her stance is on trans issues. And if you believe in God, now's a good time to start praying. <laughs> so we're all like, holy shit. <laughs> we paid all this money. We've come all this way. And then my parents had flown in to be a part of the process. My husband's parents were with us. Um, so we're all just pacing and we're talking to each other and getting to know each other in the group and hearing each other's stories. And um, finally they take us into the courtroom and they, you know, prep us and they say, we're all going to put all the kids and their parents in the, I don't know what it's called, the the little um, box right in front of Mm -hmm. the judge. Um, And you guys are going to line up and we're going to do it by age. So we're going to put Maya first and she she was standing on what would be the defendant's table in the courtroom. And they actually had her stand on top of the table so that the judge would be able to see her from the, whatever that, platform is the box. They sit in the box, they the sit in. box. Judge, please. and all the extended family had to sit in a gallery and so we all are lined up and we're waiting and we're waiting and then they come out and they say the judge wants copies of everyone's files and they had asked us to bring the files but we were told that it was pretty much a done deal a done deal and it was preliminary and they probably wouldn't even look at them but we should have all these things just to be to be sure and right then and there, I knew something was up. And then the judge comes back and says they need even more information. And they, they have, our lawyer tells us there's one case in particular she has some concerns about. And right then and there, I knew it was us. Yeah. And um, so by then, Maya's been standing for 25 minutes on top of a desk. And she's like, Mommy, I have to use the restroom. 
So we leave to go to the bathroom. And when we come back, I see the judge is already taking the podium box thing. And my husband's no longer standing there in the little box. Instead, I look over and he's in the gallery crying hysterically. And I knew that she was refusing to hear our case. And we were just so distraught. We were like, what's going to happen? We just spent way more money than we can afford on this lawyer. I'm traveling here. What are we going to do? Um, and our lawyer said, hang tight. I'm going to take care of these other folks first. And then we'll try to see if she'll meet with us in private chambers later. So um, we're sitting there, like literally crying, waiting through the whole process. All the what other- did you tell Maya? Yeah. She could feel the anxiety. She was just like holding onto my arm and just really nervous. Max was oblivious, just like trying to distract her and play with her. And, right. Um, but she, she was, was she so excited about the name change? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm going to get my new name today. Yeah. And, you know, it was like such an important moment for her. And, um, all the other trans people were like the identical twins, like, one of them kept turning back and looking at us and saying, I'm sorry, mouthing, I'm sorry. I mean, they all felt terrible that they were going through nice. with their name changes when we couldn't. And um, it was funny because later one of them said, I wanted to march out with, with you in <laughs> protest, but I knew my parents would kill me because they had spent all this money. But um, we, um, we kind of waited and waited. They, she went, took about an hour. She did everybody's name changes. She really pressed the 15 year old. And I knew what her, you could tell what yeah. her issue, yeah. her politics were. Are you sure you're not going to change your mind? And she refused to even meet with us in private chambers. She wouldn't even meet with us. Um, she said, I, I will not do this for a six year old or a five year old. And, um, Maya was already, yeah, Maya, I think Maya was five or six at the time. And no, six six years old. She refused to do it. And, uh, so our lawyer, after everybody else got their name changes, uh, completed, normally you go to the clerk's office and they stamp every single page of the order. Mm-hmm. So it has to have the text to seal on every single page of your order and it, it can't be photocopied. So if you need X amount of copies of an order, which they recommend like everybody get 10 copies cause you need it for different times in your life each page has to be stamped. So it's a process. Mm -hmm. And, um, the people are looking at us like, uh, what's going to happen the rest of the group. And and she says, all right, y'all normally we'd go to the clerk's office right now, but I'm going to send you back down to the cafeteria to hang out. I can't leave this family hanging. We've got to do something. And we're going to walk up and down this courthouse till we can find a judge that will hear. So I'm, I'm really sorry, folks. I know some of you want to get back on the road. Everybody had traveled from out of town. Um, but I, I can't leave this family hanging. And the group said, no, not only are we fine with this, we're going to go everywhere with you. So there's like 30 people in this wow. group of people. Oh my God. And we're walking every hallway and stopping. And she's, you know, asked, sending notes to judges through clerks. And they're sending notes back out. No, they won't hear from us. And we're walking up and down and she's making calls. And every time we went to a different floor of the courthouse, it took like four elevators to get our group <laughs> up to the next floor. And they would just go everywhere with us. And finally, we went to one floor and this judge said, okay, I'm sending my jury, a jury to um, deliberation. When the jury goes out, I'll, um, I'll meet with the family. But 
I've never done a trans name change for a child before. And I don't know how I feel about children. Um, I'm concerned about it. And I am, I'm fine with doing it for adults, but not for children. And so she said, this is a Hail Mary. You guys get your game faces on, be ready to cry. And you're like, no problem. (laughs) Cheers. She's like, you cannot bring in the group or your in-laws. You can only bring in, um, you, your husband, Maya and Max. So we go into the court, uh, to the courtroom and we're waiting. They're giving instructions to the jury. And then the two lawyer, the jury leaves and the two lawyers are kind of making last minute arguments about things like after or approaching the bench. And, um, we're trying to be quiet. And my son, Max, um, starts sneezing and or having the hiccups and talking and mm-hmm. the bailiff's looking at us like, get, get your get the fuck out of here. They can't be quiet. And I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, Max, be quiet. He's like, I can't help it. <laughs> and, um, finally the judge, you know, finishes his business with them and says, you can come to my private chamber. So we go in his office and we meet with him and, um, he's like, initially says no. And is like, I don't understand why you need to do this now for a child. It's like, why can't you wait? And, you know, what's going to happen if your child changes their mind? And we really just kept pushing. And I'm quoting every statistic, like children um, who aren't allowed to transition socially and aren't accepted by their families um, face a suicide rate of higher than 60%. And children who are allowed to transition and are accepted by their families, the rate drops to 4%. And, um, I'm quoting him every bit of information I have about why this is important. You're like, I know this feeling you could like teach a college level class on these talking points. You know, you like have it all memorized. You're like, I can give you every statistic in the book. Exactly. And I'm explaining to him what Maya's switching schools next year. She's going to public school and as it is, you know, she's going to have other obstacles she's going to have to face, but you know, if she goes in as Josh and we put a request in for her to be called Maya, she's going to be outed within weeks. The first time a substitute comes in and looks at the roster, yeah. it's going to say Josh. They're going to get confused. Yeah. We need this name change. You know, this is going to help her so much. Um, and we were not petitioning for the gender marker change because you can't do that in Texas. We were just asking for the name change. And um, we made our case and he's like, you know, I just, I'm really not comfortable and Frankly, I'm concerned about being primary. This is a voting issue for me. Right. Of course um, it is. Uh, and he's like, I want to help you guys out. But, you know, I have, and he's asking more and more questions. And he starts asking Max, well, what do you think? And Max says, well, Maya was sad when she was a boy. And now she's happy. So you have to make her happy all the time. You have to give her her new name so she'll be happy every day. And it was just like Max another moment for the win. To the rescue yeah. again. Seriously. <laughs> and I think the other piece that really cinched it was that he, then after that, he looked over at Jeffrey and, and Jeff was just like a hot mess. Like I held it together, yeah. but Jeff was like blubbering, <laughs> slobbering, like crying hysterically the whole time. And he's this big, strong guy with a beard. And he said, dad, what about you? And Jeff just like, his voice cracked and he said, I just want my child to be happy and healthy and this will make her happy and healthy. And I think that seeing another man yeah. cry like that made him so, 
and he's a dad and he had showed us his family and he said, all right, I'll do it for you. <gasps> and it was like, Oh my God. Thank goodness. God. But he sealed the document so that it wouldn't be in public record that his name would right. be attached to having done it. Um, we are, we don't announce who it was, where the County is, where it happened. Um, and I hope he stays in office yeah. and can do this for more children. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, we left his chambers and we were in there for maybe 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes. We turned the corner down the hallway to where everyone was waiting. And they're all, the whole group is just like looking at us. And I give the thumbs up and everybody erupted. It was like a scene from a movie. I seriously <laughs> can't even That's tell you. Awesome. And there were people in the hallway that were like, <laughs> but like 40 people were like, yes. And, um, everyone was crying and hugging each other. There's not a dry eye. I'm crying right now. And, uh, the older trans, um, woman who was a Vietnam vet hugged me and said, um, I waited until my parents died. To transition to be who I am. And I think it's so great that you're doing this for your child. And uh, it just, it was crazy. Oh my gosh. So, we have never cried as much on this show. Never. Oh my God. Oh my God. Lisa. A beautiful story. It is one of the most beautiful stories ever. I mean, it's like. You, it's like, I just feel like if everyone could just hear your story, you know, it would make sense. Yeah. It would be like not a polarizing issue. It would be right. like, obviously this is what yeah, should happen in every case. You know, I, I mean, I think it's just, yeah, <sighs> we don't think people know themselves. I mean, that's a, we constantly, I mean, we in this As society, I mean, we think we know what's better for people all the time. I, mean, yeah. I remember when my sister came out of the closet, we all were, she doesn't know. She yeah. just is this, she, she'll get it. It's a phase. And it's like, why do we do that? Why don't you just let people, because if people make a mistake or if what, so let them make that mistake too. Just, I, yeah. I think it's because you, you meet people from where you are. Yes. You exactly. don't meet people from where they are. Yes. So for you, your set of circumstances is normal. Yep. You know, that's why. And it's like the, the, I feel like the ability to empathize is so unusual, you know, like to truly find people who can do that. But even still, you're still coming from your life experience and everybody has their own set of what's normal. Yeah. We all see the world through our lens and our own experiences and it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes and truly empathize and understand how something feels for someone else. And you can't, I mean, you, you can't, you can try very hard and you can be a good person and say, that's, that's what they want. So let's just let them yeah. have it. Yeah. But you know, I don't think I could even put myself in your shoes as a parent. Just, I don't know what I would do. I think I would do the same thing, but then, you know, you, that hits you and you're like, well, what would I do? I don't know. And unless you've lived yes, it, I don't think lived it. you'll know. Yeah. yeah. But your story is so powerful to share and it makes, you. I don't know, makes you question ever thinking like it's a phase. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, maybe for some kids it is. And, and, and it was, it was one of the points that the judge made when questioning on us was what if she changes her mind? Right. And I said, well, then we'll just change her name back. Right. Like what's like, we're not hurting her by changing her name back. 
what you're doing right now, if we don't change your name, is going to have immediate negative re- repercussions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because she'll be outed, she'll be bullied, it will cause conflict for her. If five years down the road, I don't anticipate this happening, I don't think it would. I, from what I'm told by our therapist, it's less than half a percent that um, do uh, right. change their mind. And usually they end up being uh, homosexual. So it's just, you know, kind of a, a confusing that they quite couldn't quite understand what mm-hmm. they were. What they were. Um, but gender identity, um, if you're gender nonconforming, or you usually can't conform. You, if you are truly trans, it it's like this is it's so painful to try to be something other than who you are. Yeah. And and I I tried to explain, you know, to somebody one time, it's like if you're a fish and you know you're a fish and you're walking on land and nothing feels right. And then all of a sudden someone drops you in the water. You're like, Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. I can yeah. breathe in here. Yeah. Or, you know, if a child knows they're left-handed and you try to make them right with yeah. their right, it's never going to feel comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And that my child was trying to navigate a world where he didn't feel comfortable in his skin. And now she does. Right. She feels like she is who she's meant to be. And, and uh, as a parent, what, what else could you not? Could you not? Want nothing. I want her to be happy and healthy yeah. and thrive and feel good about herself and have confidence. And she has all of that. So, I mean, it's incredible. And, you know, you telling us this is like so eye opening and yeah, it really, really, is. It really I is. mean, it's like, it's like, duh, you know, um, have you found that most of the people in your world are supportive of, of this? I would say the majority are initially, you know, my, I remember my in-laws were not surprised when this was the direction things were moving in, but they were very afraid. And I remember my father-in-law calling us, uh, the week, I think it was back in October when we went and bought the girls clothing and we were going to let Josh go to school as a girl. And he was like, just don't do this. You're making a mistake. Don't do this. Um, very much afraid of the social stigmatization that, that Josh would face and that we would face. And I think in part they were afraid of what they might face. Yeah. Absolutely. And, about yourself. and, um, you know, very much like this, the, the, you're committing social suicide. You shouldn't do this. And I started, um, I said, no, we, this is, we're doing the right thing. We're following what our therapist is recommending. Why don't you guys come to our therapist appointment with us? And, um, uh, so they did, and they started going to meet with our therapist and witness the sessions and, um, see some of the things that were happening and to become more informed. And then they became our biggest allies and it was a really great thing. And it really completely transformed their opinion on things. And, you know, it's funny because politically they're still very conservative, um, and, and, uh, vote and align themselves with things that are very opposite of what uh, we are and what would benefit Maya. But I think that they've become advocates for her. And and this is the one thing that they'll speak out against their political party on. And and they're in Maya's corner a hundred percent. They're wonderful and loving to her. And I wish that could be the case for everyone. My um, husband's brother and his wife are not on board. And um, I think that's been the most hurtful thing. And, um, you know, hearing from other people that, you know, they, 
you know, or my sister-in-law in particular has said that it's, you know, we're, what we're doing is child abuse. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I can only hope that they'll have an awakening at some point. Um, but until then, since they're not on board, they're out of our lives. Yeah. We have to do what's best for Maya. Amen, yeah. lady. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. well, uh, we could talk to you for an eternity. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I know Abby has actual things to do today. <laughs> Sorry. So I want to keep talking. So weird. I'm like, yeah, you have to, to go work. somewhere? What do you mean? We're supposed to hang out. Um, Lisa, thank you I know. so much. I want to hear more of this story. Like, I almost want the, like, the the Daily Show, like, after the podcast. <laughs> podcast we're just talking about this. Yeah, it's been... I'm happy to come back I anytime. I know there's so much more. Yeah. It's been so great to have you yeah. on. And I just feel like this is going to be so inspirational for so many people. I think so. I hope so. I, you know, I, I think if we can just open one person's eyes to have a new perspective on this or um, be open to learning more about this, then, then it's worth it. You've yeah. done something good. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you for sharing the story. I love you. I oh, love you. you. I think you're just so great. <laughs> yeah. So great. And I want to really brave. And yeah. You know, she, Maya is so brave. She I, really is. She's my hero. I look she's at the best. Yeah. I look at the courage she has to be who she is and yeah. to not care what other people think. And, and that's an important part of the transition and, you know, it wasn't just grieving my child and feeling a loss of letting go of Josh, but we had to transition with her in letting go of caring about what anyone thinks. Yeah. And she could get there quicker than we could. Yeah. But you learn real quick. You're like, I don't give a fuck what anyone yeah. else thinks. Yeah. I love that. Hand, hands off motto. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the mic. And we're out. <laughs> uh, we will see you guys next week. We're yeah. going to be back on it. Lisa, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so for much, having me. Yeah. yeah. And and share your stories. If you have stories and maybe if you have questions, maybe we can pass them on to Lisa. And yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. You can follow Hands Off Parents on Twitter at Hands Off Parents, or you can always send us an email at handsoffparents at gmail.com. Or if you look on Facebook, if you're into that thing, you can find us there as well. Hands Off Parents is Steph and Abby. Mail can.